Well, uh, so I titled this message, Sanctified or Not, What's the Deal? Uh, over the years, over the decades, more like over the centuries, uh, there's been a lot of talk about this word sanctification. And uh, perhaps one of the most uh, traditional, one of the most popular ideas is something that we would call progressive sanctification. Now, if you're not familiar with a big word like sanctification, I mean, sanctification is a synonym for uh, to be holy. To sanctify is to make holy. Uh, if you're not really familiar with holy, say, what in the world does holy mean? I mean, we say it in church, holy, holy, holy. But what is holiness? Well, it's interesting that holiness is actually um, about reserving something. Uh, holiness is when you set uh, something apart, you reserve it for a specific purpose. So while we might think holy is, is an ominous word, or we look at the word sanctify and we think, oh my gosh, sanctify, I mean, that's a serious, serious Bible word. But as you look at the uses of sanctify in the Bible, it's actually, you know, uh, talking about how God sets aside things for a specific purpose. And so um, there's even a passage about Jesus being sanctified. It's not that Jesus lacked sanctification. It's not that Jesus lacked holiness and then one day he got it. But it's just that God said, here's my son, my only begotten Jesus Christ, and I'm going to set him aside for this purpose, for this mission, for this ministry on planet Earth. And so uh, that's what sanctify is really about, setting something aside, uh, reserving it. So then you get to us. I mean, that's what we care most about, isn't it? I mean, am I okay? That's the eternal human question. We show up on planet Earth and we're wondering, am I okay? Is there something wrong with me? And we receive Christ and we decide that Jesus Christ has taken away our sins. We decide that uh, we get to be with him forever. And yet still there's this hole within us and the big question mark of am I, am I really okay with him? And so we might have our destination figured out and our salvation figured out, but we all know that as humans with emotions running through uh, every day, I mean, we, we can struggle with okayness. And so then the theologians come along with the idea that you are only progressively being sanctified, and then you might register yourself, oh, I don't know, you might register yourself as 32% sanctified. Right. So then you're in a quandary because you say, well, what am I going to do about the 68, the 68 percent that's not sanctified? How am I going to get 68 percent of me OK with God? And so then we set out on the religious treadmill to get ourselves fully sanctified, to get ourselves finally at some point, maybe we'll be holy. And then to make matters worse, we've got the Holy Spirit. Okay, so now the Holy Spirit lives in you, but apparently you're not holy. So then he's holy and you're not. And so now there's this conflict and we imagine that maybe in some sense we're not really on the same team as God. We wish we were on the same team, but we're not because we're so very unholy. And so when you look at the popular view, the popular view out there, I'm not saying that everyone across the planet who calls themselves a Christian believes this, but a very popular view today and for centuries, quite frankly, is the idea that we are justified. Sure, we're 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 made righteous in some sense, but we're not sanctified. 
And so we as people now, we in our identity, we as people have been justified, but we as people are still progressively being sanctified. Now, as we're going to see today, that's not really what the Bible says. That's not really a healthy biblical outlook on you. You see, God the Father does not set up his children to think that we're, we're righteous, but we're not righteous. We're holy, but we're not holy. We're positionally okay, but we're not really okay. We're eternally fine, but right now we stink. And God can't stand the smell of us. No, in fact, we're told that we are a fragrant aroma of Jesus Christ. We're told that we are the righteousness of God. But come on now, I mean, you like me, we've all been tempted, we've all fallen into temptation, we've all committed many, many sins. So how does this idea of being sanctified really fit in with our behavior? Well, the biblical view says this, that we, now when I say we, I'm talking about we as people, I'm talking about identity, I'm talking about nature, I'm talking about our personhood. That we as people have been sanctified. In other words, God didn't say, you're my kids, but I'm not going to set you apart. (laughs) You're my kids, but I'm not going to reserve you for me. I'm going to save you. I'm going to justify you. I'm going to take you to heaven with me, but you're not fully mine. No, it's quite the opposite. He says, we have been set apart. We as people have been sanctified. Now, our behavior, you'll notice point number two, our behavior is a, is a different matter. Our behavior is being set apart. And we play a role in that, don't we? I mean, haven't you, you live a day on planet Earth and you figure out quite quickly, we play a role in our behavior and our attitudes. But here's, here's the clincher. We are not defined by our behavior, Our sanctification of ourselves, our holiness, our rightness, our set-apartedness, if that's a word, it doesn't come from our attitudes and actions. In fact, it should be the opposite. As we're going to see today, you teach somebody that they are progressively getting holy and they will progressively be interested in holy living. You teach someone that they are holy, righteous, and blameless 100% to the core, and they will be very, very interested in upright living. And so we're going to live out what we believe we are. It's the same old story. And so when the person comes along, and I know what they're thinking. Here's what they're thinking. We need a balance. That's what they're thinking. We don't want to go too far with this sanctification thing. So we're going to tell people they're sanctified in some verses, But they're not sanctified in other verses. So they are, but they aren't. They are, but they aren't. And then we ultimately end up with two selves or two natures or two persons. And people live out a dual personality Christianity. So there's a better answer than all of that. And that is that you are one person and you are set apart for your father. You are set apart in Christ fully, not partially, but completely. And then there is the matter of your behavior. But you are not your behavior. And your behavior is not you. Now let's see how this bears out in the Bible. We'll do a survey of the New Testament. Just uh, hit a dozen verses or so. And we're going to look at how um, our God uses this word sanctify or make holy. 
In Acts 26, we see a God is talking. God is, you know, Paul is quoting God. Here's what God said to me. So God said to Paul, hey, go out there to those Gentiles and I want you to be out there so that you can open their eyes so that they can turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who, what now? Read it with me. Those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So number one, when is this happening? It's happening at salvation. It's happening during a transfer. They are transferred from darkness to light. They are transferred from Satan to God. It's when they receive forgiveness in Christ and they become part of that group, part of that group that has been sanctified, past tense. How do we get sanctified? By faith, by believing in Jesus. And so through faith, we are saved and we are sanctified. Salvation and sanctification of ourselves, not our behavior, but ourselves. Salvation, sanctification, justification, being made right, being made okay. It is all happening at one time. And so then he says, uh, he's telling the Greeks, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he's writing them. This is his opening remarks, right? I mean, Paul's writing these people. You know their story. I mean, some of you who've studied the Bible, uh, you know, if you've been in church 25, 30 times, you've probably heard of these Corinthians. I mean, these Corinthians have messed up big time, right? I mean... uh, It's not about lying and cheating and stealing or gambling and smoking too much or something. I mean, we're talking about hardcore immorality. The Greeks. And here's this little church inside of the Greek community. And they're thinking, they're thinking, I'm free in Christ. I'm free in Christ. I'm free in Christ. Whatever I do doesn't matter. Oh, look, look at the Greek world around me. I guess I'll get involved in that and get involved in that. In fact, they push it so far. They push the immorality so far that Paul says there's things happening among you that are not even named among Gentiles. You guys are doing some crazy, crazy stuff. Now, Paul knows this and he's writing them. And this is his opening remark to them. To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified Again, you could say, whoa, Paul, put the brakes on here. Wait a minute. You don't understand what these people are doing. And he's saying, yeah, I understand what some of them are doing, but I also understand who they are. So there's what they're doing and then there's their identity at the core. And so who are these people? He says to those who past tense, again, past tense, have been set apart, have been made holy. In Christ Jesus, saints by calling, man, we we're not always living out our calling. Are you always in every moment living out this incredible calling you've been given? I'm not. None of us are not. None of us perform perfectly, but we've been called and we are holy. You know, that word saint, the word saint and the word sanctify come from the same word. So if if you're a saint, you're a sanctified one. If you're a sanctified one, then that's why you're called a saint. So it's one and the same. 
And so he's saying, we have been sanctified. We are saints by calling, not always by behavior, but by calling with all who in every place do what? Perform great? No, this is about those who call upon the name of the Lord. Even in the midst of really yucky looking behavior, we find our hearts desiring to call upon the name of the Lord because he's implanted himself within us. All right, now 1 Corinthians 6, we're jumping forward five chapters or so. Now we're in the thick of it, right in the middle of the epistle, and look what he says. Some of you, yeah, you, I mean, we were all, we were all dead. We were all in Adam. We were all dead at the core spiritually. We were alive to idols. We were alive to chaos and immorality. We were alive to all kinds of of spiritual forces, but not God. We were dead to God and alive to sin. But then he says, such were some of you, but you were washed. Now, we Christians, it's amazing how we're really good at, at saying we're washed. You know, ever since a hundred years plus, I mean, we've been singing songs here in the United States about how we're washed in the blood, washed in the blood, and nothing but the blood. And, you know, we're, we're good with the term washed. Maybe, maybe we're good with it. I mean, we talk about forgiveness and we know that's part of the gospel. And so for a Christian to say, I have been washed, you know, that's pretty safe. But then you go to the next phrase. If you run around town saying, I have been sanctified, expect some resistance. Because this sounds like, see, people read into that. What they think you're saying is, I have no growth left. I'm never going to grow anymore. I'm fully, fully grown in my understanding and in my walk. But see what we've done? We've conflated our understanding and our walk and our performance with our own sanctification. And we're making them one and the same. And what do you call that? You call that works-based religion. You're saying you got saved by grace but now you're not sanctified, you're not set apart, you're not made right, you're not, you're not reserved for God because, well, you're still learning some stuff and growing. So you think that you're learning and you think that you're growing is going to make you right with God? That is works religion. So this is why he says, you were sanctified, you were justified, you were washed, And it's a package deal. You get it all at once in Christ. Now, every day we wake up and we put clothes on, right? And I'm grateful that you did that this morning. Most of you look great. You notice I said most of you. We all could do a little bit of reworking in our closets, right? And I've told you the story of... Long ago, my wife, her favorite program or one of them was what not to wear. And they would, you know, they would raid your closet on the show and they would look at the clothes and they would say, this doesn't fit very well. Let's toss it. This is okay. It's a keeper. But man, I'm telling you, we got to go shopping uh, because you need help. And then after a thousand or two thousand dollar budget or whatever, they'd go get a bunch of clothes and come back. And then at the end of the show, you know, it's like every show out there, all the reality shows, there's the before and the after picture, right? And the before, they look so sad. Let's throw the picture up there in black and white to make it look worse. 
And then, uh, you know, after is this dynamic technicolor dream of a life with these incredible clothes on and they all fit great. And look, look what the show has done for you. And so, you know, every day we get dressed and we've got it backwards if we think that we're going to put on holy living and we're going to put on Christ and put on love and put on compassion in order to be holy. It's backwards. You see, because we are holy and because we are saints and because we have been washed and because we have been justified and because we are right with God and seated next to him, that's why we get up and we wear holy living. So we've got to get the divine order right. God has given us a divine order, but as you see in Galatians and as you see all over the the early church, what we do is we do the switcheroo, right? We say, here's the divine order. God did it. It's awesome. It's complete. It's finished. Thank you, Lord. Therefore, I'll choose. And we flip it and we say, I'll choose. And if I choose enough and if I choose faithfully and if I choose consistently, then I will finally be okay. And we've got it swapped. Not for salvation. For salvation, we've got it right. Oh, yeah, it's all Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hosanna in the highest, right? Yippee. As Jay said, yippee. And then we're in Christ one day, one week, one month, one year. And and then we spend the rest of our lives going, what? Why doesn't this? Why doesn't this work? This feels awkward. Is this the abundant life? What's going on? Ten years ago, we uh, we sold a I sold a, a snowboard to a friend of Catherine in Canada, Canadian snowboarder lady, friend of Catherine. She needed a snowboard bad. She was on a budget. We had one, and so we sold it to her. Now, this past vacation, I think it's been close to ten years. Yeah, we went up there, and after ten years, we got a chance to snowboard with her. She still had the same board. So we got out on the mountain, we're snowboarding down, and about the third or fourth time down, I look over at her board, and I notice that she's riding it backwards. That the tail is up front, and she's only got about a foot of it, Then she's got this huge nose behind her, she's got her bindings on backwards. I said, your, your board's on backwards. She says, what? She looks down, and she starts inspecting it, and noticing She's like, yeah, I thought something was off. <laughs> I said, how long? How long have you had it this way? She said, well, right when I bought it from you, I put it together and I went, ten years. She's been snowboarding backwards. <laughs> now, to make matters worse, that day she was taking a turn and uh, she caught an edge on that tail, which was in the back instead of the front, and she went flying Hit her head, had to go to the emergency room. She'd lost her memory for about half an hour, asking me questions like, where are we? Where have I been? Where's my children? Stuff like that. Then she ended up okay in the end. But I'll tell you, riding your board backwards can really mess things up. (laughs) And here we are, Christians, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then we try to live backwards, trying to do in order to be. And man, that's going to hurt sometimes. The law kills. The Spirit gives life. 
lot of us Christians, we're living the Christian life backwards. We need to turn that board around and enjoy the gospel as God intended. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her. Now, when did when did uh, Christ give himself up? Two thousand years ago. Why? So that he might sanctify her. Did he succeed? Yes, he did. And so this is why it says he gave himself up, past tense, so that he might sanctify the church, having cleansed. What tense is that in? Having cleansed. It's already happened. You're not being cleansed. You have been cleansed. You're not being sanctified as people. You have been sanctified, set apart for him, so that we have no spot and no wrinkle And that we're holy and blameless. Why did he do all this? That we would be holy and blameless. Why did he do all this? So that you wouldn't have a spot on you. When did he do this? 2,000 years ago. Did it work? Yes. And so we get into a verse like this and we try to make it about us. But we got to remember it started with him giving himself. And why he gave himself. He gave the only reason that he did all this was to make us okay. And then we turn right around and we say, I'm not okay, I'm not okay, I'm not okay. And that's like spitting in the face of what he's done. Hebrews 10, you'll notice it says he takes away the first, talking about the first covenant, the law, the old way. He takes away the first in order to establish the second, the new covenant, the new way. And then he says, by this will, meaning by this new way, by this new will, by this new covenant, what does he say? We have been sanctified. Through what? Through our great, great living? No. Through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Do you see it? Now, we'd be, we'd be dumb to not consider the behavior issue and how this plays out. In the Bible. So as we look at this, I want you to see how the word sanctification is used. It's not used about you needing more okayness. It's about our behavior. So part two, you could say, is we've been sanctified, but now look at our behavior. It's not all set apart, but we are not our behavior. Watch this. For this is the will of God. Your sanctification, that is, in other words, let me explain that you abstain from sexual immorality. In other words, I want your clothes to match who you are. I want your outward behavior to match your inward righteousness. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. What does that mean? I thought you already told me all over the Bible I'm sanctified. Well, what he's talking about is abstaining from every form of evil. And may your spirit and your soul and your body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you were freaked out about your behavior, here's how he tops it off. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. Is that not awesome? In other words, I will carry you on to completion. I began a good work in you, and I will make it Finish out just great. So trust me. 
But there's the idea that through and through, through our soul, through our attitudes, through our actions, through our body, the how, how we use our body, that all of this outward clothing would match our hearts. And if you go around telling Christians their hearts are wicked, their hearts are unsanctified, their hearts are unholy, their hearts are dirty, then guess how the clothes are going to turn out looking. The whole point is we've got to get this thing in the divine order. We've been sanctified. But then there's our behavior. I'm speaking in human terms. Romans says, Romans chapter 6. Look, put it this way. You know, you don't, you remember back when you presented your members as slaves to sin? Remember that? Remember when you would lay awake nights dreaming of new ways to sin? And then the next morning you would live that out. Do you remember when you were in Adam and you would present your body to sin every day? He says, now, in the same way, just, just do the opposite. Instead of presenting your body to sin, present your body as, a, as slaves of righteousness, present your body to God. And what will happen? What will happen to your behavior, your attitudes, your actions? The result will be sanctification. The result will be that your behavior is set apart to match your heart. All right, just a, a bit more here and we'll be done. He says in First Peter, Peter's talking, fix your hope where? Completely on the grace. Uh, we need to tone down grace. Right. We need to balance grace. We can't we can have too much grace. We got to look out. He said he no, no, no. He says the opposite. He says, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children. There's behavior. Do not be conformed to the former lusts. That's who you were, but not who you are now. Do not be conformed to the former lusts, which were past tense. They were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in what? In all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. What's the context? Choices. Choose to wear Jesus because we've got Jesus inside. Now that makes all the sense in the world. So sanctified or not, what's the deal? Remember the popular view. The popular view smushes. It smushes everything together. There's one view. You're, you're sanctified, but you're not. You're getting sanctified, but you are sanctified, but you're not. And so it says we've been justified maybe, but we're progressively being sanctified. Now remember, the biblical view that we introduced at the beginning is we have been sanctified, set apart, our behavior is being set apart, but we are not defined by our behavior. Now, I want to close with a couple of comments here just to make sure you I've said it in certain words, but I want to put it up on the screen. I want you to just take it away to be able to digest the popular view falls short as it conflates. Everybody understand that smushes together, puts two things in one. It conflates identity and behavior. It rightly recognizes that, yeah, I mean, there is something progressive going on, behavior, but it fails to recognize the finished work. That we, what's the finished work? That we as people have already been fully sanctified for God, apart from our behavior. Knowing 
that we are fully sanctified, set apart for God, this is what is designed in the gospel, designed to inspire us to start wearing the behavioral clothes that are fitting for saints. So, what's the takeaway? Uh, In common, everyday terms, man, look at my behavior. My behavior is sometimes messed up. I, I, I can regret something every single day, if not more. I can look back at my past and think, I don't want to have anything to do with that anymore. That behavior and that action and that thought and that comment, man, that's not of me. But then there's me. And all of that has nothing to do with my rightness and my okayness, my set-apartedness. We are a people of God's own possession. When God possesses us, He doesn't own us 62% or 43%. The old analogy that God has moved in to the house. You're the house of God, but He's only got one room. And you need to get Him out of the closet, right? God's tucked away over in the closet. He doesn't, he doesn't own you. He's not in you fully. He's only in a little closet of your life. And so you've got to go about trying to open these doors through clean living. And if you could just get rooms prepared for him, he'll move in. This old analogy, it's pithy. It sounds good. It's creative. Um, but it's just not true. Your spirit is the house of God. God fully moved in to your spirit. He took ownership of you. You are a people of his own possession. Our attitudes and our actions, I think I said it last week, there's pink flamingos in the yard, right? That's out here, not in here. And so there's lawn work to be done. But God's already cleaned house and moved in. You belong to him and he belongs to you. You, as a person, have been sanctified. Even though we could hang a chain around your behavior and say, under progress, under construction, right? But you, we are not our behavior. Thank God for that. Let's pray together. Father, we want to uh, give thanks for a finished work. Uh, Not something we're trying to finish off, not something we're trying to complete, not something we're trying to improve upon, but something you did. We find half a dozen passages where you say you've sanctified us, you've made us yours, you've set us apart, you've reserved us. How in the world could we be used by you if you didn't reserve us first for yourself? Father, we are grateful and we want to confess it. As your people, as your children, we just want to confess it. We want to confess with our mouths and confess with our hearts that we fully have been sanctified and belong to you. And then we live on this planet. We we know, I mean, we know that our behavior is under construction. We mess up every day. And we look back on those times and we say, what could have made the difference? And the only answer is to remember who you've made, who you've made us at the core who you've made us, sanctified, holy, blameless, spotless, righteous, a saint, your child, qualified now to to be seated right next to you. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.
There's something about having shoes that fit, and then there's something about having shoes that really, really hurt. And you know, we start this thing, and God gets us perfectly fitted shoes of the gospel, and they feel great on day one. They feel so comfortable, and we just, we're so thankful for all He's fashioned for us, and then... A week into it, a month or a year or a decade into it, somebody knocks at the door and they say they've got different shoes for us. And we, we slip them on and, you know, they, they sort of half fit, but then over time they really start to ache. You know, they really start to hurt. And so when you look at this doctrine of sanctification, I'll tell you what really hurts. What really hurts long term, it might sound good at the door, but what really hurts long term is that... You're holy, but you're not holy. You're righteous, but you're not righteous. You're okay, but you're not okay. You're sanctified, but you're not sanctified. Don't fall for that. That is not a healthy balance. That is a shoe that hurts. And God has given us a gospel that is designed to set us free. It fits perfectly with who we are. He's not a double talker. He's not talking out of both sides of his mouth. He's saying, you're mine. I own you. I've made you like me at the core. New heart, new spirit, sanctified, holy, blameless, spotless, totally forgiven. I remember your sins no more. You are okay. Now go live like who you are. And if you don't, you still are who you are. It doesn't change who you are. It just changes how content you are at the core. You want to be content? Live like who God has made you to be. Have a great day.